Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is going on, Jason Wright here, bringing you episode number 22. 22 out of a million. I have no idea how many we'll make, but probably a whole bunch. And as usual, awesome guests coming on the show. But before we get there, I'm going to mix things up this week. I'm not going to share random thoughts with you. I'm going to share you a massive marketing failure of mine. You guys want to get some entertainment at my expense? This authenticity that I'm demonstrating to you right now will make you a bigger fan than you already are. I promise. Watch how this works. So once upon a time, a couple of years ago, it's probably been three, four years ago, I was really focused, uh, we were focused as a company on building uh, complete sales funnels for clients, right? We'd work with anybody and we had like a, a higher ticket offering. We'd do the Facebook ads and all this kind of stuff. And I got this idea that a whole bunch of people wanted to be funnel builders just like me. So I, I put together a course and a program and all this stuff, right? I built this huge offer and I think it took me like six, seven, eight months, so much time, so much time, so many videos, resources, etc. And I remember launching this thing and it told my wife like, Hey, when this thing launches, we're going to make so much money and help so many people. It's going to be great. And I launched this thing and I spit it out to my list and I spit it out on social and again and again, I think I even ran paid traffic, Facebook ads to it, zero sales, absolute flop. And that's not the first time it's happened. I, I've done, I've had similar type experiences multiple times. I can't even tell you the amount of failed businesses I've, I've started, but there's been a lot, probably dozens, honestly. But anyway, the lesson I learned was it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect to launch. And the, the bigger lesson is, let's not launch stuff without testing the idea first. So how do we test the idea? Now, if I'm going to make a new offer, guess what I'm going to do? If it's like a course or something like that, I'm going to sell it before I make it. I'm going to sell it and be very clear. Hey, buyers, this is something conceptually I'm working on. Here's the cost. Here's what you'd get. It doesn't exist yet. So if you buy now, you'll get the best rate you'll ever get. And blah, blah, blah. And even before I do that, I, I basically say, who would buy this if I made it? And then I'll literally collect payment and literally go build it. And the point is, you always want to kind of test your ideas before you, you go crazy. We go crazy getting into them, right? So the market is ultimately going to tell you what it wants. And it's going to respond and tell you everything you need to know. So as you listening want to do new things, maybe you want to explore um, a new asset class or a new market, tease the information to your audience, see how they react before you, uh, you make the moves and go there. It's just an idea. Quick and dirty wins every time. And what I mean is taking an idea, throwing it in front of the people that actually matter and see what happens. It doesn't have to be perfect. C minus is good enough, good enough to get it rolling. And then you can always refine it on the way. So I tell you guys stuff not based on what other marketers are saying, but based on my own actual experience. What a concept, right? Anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about my awesome guest. 
This week, I have a conversation with my buddy, Brendan Chisholm. Well, let me tell you what I know about Brendan. He's a principal of BKC Holden. Well, he's in the Northeast. He is focused on heavy value-added distressed apartments. Well, we did this podcast. He had been the lead sponsor for three syndications so far. And he is looking forward to being a lead sponsor on a 100-plus door unit soon. Uh, another goal he has of, uh, has for 2023 is raising $2 million plus in capital. And you know what? I think he will make that happen. Let's check out my conversation with Brendan. I am sure you will enjoy it. Hey, what's going on, Brendan? Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Jason. It's a pleasure to be on, and hopefully your listeners can get some insightful information from me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to hear your story, how you got started down this dusty road of real estate investing how I got down this dusty road of real estate investing. I I started looking into real estate investing right around like 2018. Started reading some books, listening to some podcasts. You know, at the time, all I wanted to do was to climb the corporate ladder and try to be the next C-suite at, you know, at, the, at my old job. Uh, then one of the podcasts I was listening to was talking about you know turnkey single family rentals in the southeast, and I thought, ah, oh, this sounds pretty good. Help, you know, I could be able to move some of my money into cash flowing assets. In parallel, one of the books that I read told me to start going to real estate meetups. So I found a local real estate meetup, went to it. At that meetup, there was a gentleman who was talking about the power of the cap rate in multifamily investing, and I was captivated. I was hooked. And from that day forward, I did everything within my power to consume as much content, be it books, podcasts, news articles, journals, periodicals, going to more meetups as I could. I signed up for his course and, you know, five years later, now I'm officially hooked. I got the bug and the rest is history. You know, I'm just skipping over like an additional four years of what I did, but that's the quick and dirty as to how I got into multifamily real estate investing. I like it. You know, it's funny is uh, when you find something that really interests you and you're passionate about, I'm the same way. I want I want all the info I can get. I don't think there's a cure for that buck, which may not be a bad thing, but I don't think there's a cure. No, it's it's drive, passion, persistency. And you know, with this, you know, just studying it and going through it, there's opportunity to be able to create you know, a better lifestyle for the people that you provide housing to, as well as your family. So it creates win-win-win situations. Yep. Knowing what you know now, could anybody tempt you back into corporate America climbing the ladder? Nope. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. So you touched on this a bit. Go ahead. Make sure to release this after I quit my W-2 job, please. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, man. You hinted at this a little bit, but what asset classes or markets do you typically focus on? I focus on multifamily investing, specifically apartment investing, you know, large properties throughout the Sunbelt and Mid-Atlantic region, essentially anything under the Mason-Dixon line I look at. And I do you know, heavy value add distress deals in those markets, you know, typically bringing in millions of dollars of construction or CapEx costs to be able to go in course appreciation on the units, making sure they get a 2023 feel to them and being able to provide quality housing to the residents there. Are you typically looking like a hundred doors or more or do you have a requirement with doors? So 2023, that is the goal is to get another hundred unit property under my belt. Just closed on one just over a month ago on February 27th. 
Uh, my first hundred unit deal that I've done, but my first three deals, the first one was 53, then a 70 and then a 45. Now I'm just trying to scale into larger, larger properties. Cool. Sounds good, man. So this will be interesting. What simple marketing strategies and tactics have initially allowed you to find investors? What's working for you? So before I got my first apartment complex under contract, right at the onset of COVID, I started writing a newsletter, just going on and saying, hey, here's what's going on in commercial real estate right now. And I just thought of it as a great opportunity to get my name out there to my friends and family and trying to pivot into it. That newsletter has captivated some, you know, a bunch of people read it. They appreciate my commentary on like on the macro of what's going on in the real estate, uh, real estate industry. And it, it's first conversation. The next best thing I did, I started a meetup like seven, six, seven months ago. And it helps me be a thought leader within my market where I live and people start gravitating towards me. I don't get why I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm just the idiot who wanted to drink beers and talk real estate with people. Yeah, but well, you know, the beauty of that is it's it's real, right? It's authentic. I was talking to another buddy today and I said, hey, remember all this stuff we learned from ClickFunnels and all this stuff about marketing years and years ago? I look back and so much of that was just a distraction. The, the real essence to marketing is just having conversations with real people. So it's beautiful. And I, I've never heard anything bad about people who start their own meetups. I keep hearing that and people keep saying it's the greatest thing ever. So especially if it's in person, that that virtual in-person thought leader is powerful. Yeah, it's done it's done wonders. You know, I'm in from Fairfield County, Connecticut, which is about thirty miles north of New York City. It's opened doors to people that I never thought I'd have conversations with. You know, people who were successfully doing out of state investing on a much grander level. And I never knew that these guys did this. And I thought, you know, I was one of the few people that did it. Unbeknownst to me, there's tons of people who do this and we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just sharing similar strategies because we all want each other to succeed. And that's the great thing that I've noticed about this network of people and the network that I've created within here. It's, we all know we're not buying all of the real estate in the world, but being able to help it, help each other and making sure we pick it, we rise by lifting others up. There's a way in which we can share strategies to be able to execute deals and make sure the residents are happy, our investors are happy, as well as ourselves while buying real estate. Yeah, you touched on something powerful there. And so the collaboration versus competition, I mean, there's a time and place for each, but in this industry, I see a lot of that collaboration and you get like-minded people around you who kind of share the same values. I mean, it can be a beautiful synergy. So, yes. yeah, very cool. So I think a bit of a curveball. you'll love this. You love curveballs, right? What's been the biggest mistake or the biggest regret you've made so far with your marketing? Is there anything that stands out? You're like, God, why did I do that? Or why didn't I do that? The biggest mistake was not starting in earlier, trying to launch my own podcast. I wrote that down three years ago yeah. before I moved to the house I'm living in that I, I, I wish I did a podcast. You know, spoiler alert, I'll plug it at the end of the show, but I'm in the midst of like launching a new podcast as well. I wish I did that five years ago. Yeah. You know, everything with real estate is like, in life, I wish I did this earlier in my life yeah. and been able to provide it. But it's that's the big thing. It's just like you know the mistakes that you make. You just need to correct the mistakes that you make. You may be you may be a couple years behind on a podcast, but go ahead and do a podcast. Oh yeah, I don't have a newsletter yet. Go ahead, just start writing a newsletter. And when I tell people who ask me, how do you feel of like what what people think of like your newsletter or your podcast? You know, unfortunately, 
they don't want to hear this. I don't really care, but I care. I care, but I don't because if they don't want to read my newsletter, that's their fault. I find value in what I put out to people. Yep. Yeah, it's beautiful because your marketing should create polarity. And if you're your real self at will, and what I mean is some people can be very attracted. Other people are like, I want nothing to do with it. So that's actually a good thing. There's no strategy that appeals to everybody. You know, if you're McDonald's or Coke, you think you appeal to everybody, but you still don't because there's people that are like, I'm not drinking that crap or eating that crap. So it's really, really powerful. Yeah. And, I, and I've become very desensitized to, you know, people that I know and subscribing for my list or whatever. Because it's not for everybody. You don't need a lot of investors to build a great company. It doesn't take many. It's it's a quantity over volume game. And when you get that mindset, it really makes it easier to focus on. I'm sending out a newsletter today for our private equity company. The second one, no idea what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to probably talk about why I think short-term rentals are still great because people are still using them on vacations. And the fun that we're in still going to have value because that piece isn't going to change, right? And I'm just going to talk. And we'll see what happens. But like you said, the point is, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. People may not like it. I may not be ready to say we're going to do it anyway. So, beautiful. Can you share a story about this journey that you haven't shared publicly or on another podcast? It could be happy, sad, funny, anything you want to. I've spoken on a bunch of podcasts. So I don't know if this is going to be something that's like earth shattering. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing when you get into this this is just a revelation for everybody. You're not going to hit it out of the park with, you think you're going to be able to raise millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I'm buying these multifamily assets and everybody is on board with it. You're going to get told no a lot in this game, but you know, I kept on getting told no. And then I just kept on going back like my iPhone and looking through every single contact I had because we needed as much money as possible. We needed as much capital we needed to close the deal. Yeah. And, I had conversations with people that I hadn't had conversation with in five years. And those people that I had the conversation with, they wanted to get into real estate investing, but I never would have knew that if I didn't pick up the phone and didn't call them. You know, I didn't hit the amount of money that I initially said, but I was so proud that I was able to re-engage with others with those conversations. And now they're, you know, hopefully lifelong investors with me. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's when I used to work and man, I did not miss this. When I used to work in inside sales for these different companies, I sold publishing packages and advertising and mortgages. I remember my bosses, the good bosses at each place say, every no gets you closer to a yes. And they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Eventually you get told no enough and you don't feel it anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't phase you. You just become so emotionally drained or I guess desensitized is probably better. It's not a, a bad thing. It's like, okay, cool. Next. And I've had people tell me no before more than once and literally all back the same day or email back and buy. And you're like, whoa, like what are, what's going on? What's with the 180? As humans, we're emotional and unpredictable. So you never know, but you got to make that effort. So you do. No is your next opportunity. Oh yeah, absolutely. So if you uh, had a conversation with somebody right now, just getting into the capital raising game, and we know there's a lot of people in the, coming in this industry every month, what would you tell them? What's the one thing they should focus on in regards to their marketing and getting started? The best thing is to get started. And just, you know, I, I think it's, it relates very closely to the story that I just said. You're going to experience a lot of no's. Desensitize yourself to it because... 
you know, if, if you take the emotions of your best friends not investing in your deals and you hold it against them, you're going to alienate yourselves from them. This is not your money that you're asking. This is their money and they're putting their trust in you. If they don't want to do it at the time, it's not worth the friendship over. You know, it's making sure you can separate the two because you're you're running a business and not everybody wants to invest in your business. So you you got to make sure you can you can separate the two with it. And yeah, just just keep on asking people because you never know people's situations. And you, if you have a conversation with people that you haven't had in five to ten years, what's the worst that's going to come from it? And they have that conversation with you, you just catch up and see how they're doing. Yeah, that's the best thing of it. You're really just saying, "Hey, here's the opportunity." You're not pushing people towards it or trying to convince them or anything. Yeah, exactly. Do you think this is just a question I thought of hearing you talk? Do you think it's a bad idea to go to family and close friends? Do you think it makes things weird at all with people? No, not for me. My background is sales and marketing, so I've been told no thousands of times. It's just you know, in business, you're going to be told no. And then you need to move on and find your next win. Yeah. Yep. Or just win fast, you know, lose fast. You know, yep. It's the same thing as like, hire slow, fire quickly. So it's just like, how quickly can you move it and remove the emotional attachment that somebody doesn't want to do it at that moment in time? But guess what? You you build a track record of being able to do successful deals and then you gain the momentum and that snowball effect starts happening. And, go, and your friends go, oh, wait, this kid is actually walking the walk and talking the talk. You know, and being able to deliver upon it. And then it opens new eyes to people. And then you have more conversations and a more robust conversation because they they start trusting you as a thought leader or somebody who can execute on delivering returns that they say they are going to do. Yeah, you said a couple of things I want to unpack a bit that I really like. One is, you know, but really staying uncomfortable. So I can't tell you how long it's been since I felt comfortable in business. And anytime I do, anytime I catch myself, I just told you before we started, Hey, it's the lightest Friday I've had since first week of the year. Now I'm starting to go, shit, am I missing something? But you gotta have you gotta have some downtime. But anytime I get comfortable in business, I'm always like, oh, I've gotta be missing something. Was well, there low hanging fruit I'm not doing? I get nervous because when I'm uncomfortable, I know I'm doing stuff, I'm taking chances, I'm testing things. And when I fail, and I fail all the time, it's kind of that litmus test that, hey, brother, you're trying, you're doing stuff. Failure is a great response to remind us that we're doing stuff. When you meet people that never fail, ooh, sounds like a boring life to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Ten years from now, will look the same as today. Like, really? That's your you're good with that. So, failure and, and taking action are beautiful things for sure. Yeah, one of my partners, his his favorite quote, and I'll share it right now is, "If everything seems under control, you're just not going fast enough." Yeah, it's from Mario Andretti. And it's a good quote. You want to feel comfortable being uncomfortable because capital raising, there's a lot of uncomfortable conversations that you have to have with people going multifamily real estate investing is for passive investors. It's a 25 to $250,000 check. That could be somebody's, you you hope it's not, but it's a good portion of that person's available liquidity and they're putting their trust in you. And you now have a fiduciary responsibility to be able to deliver upon what you said you were going to deliver upon. Yep. Yep. It's very, very true. I just had a question for you. Okay. So I hear this question a lot from people. When I'm hearing this question from people, I'm like, probably not good for them, but is capital raising hard for somebody who's new? Yes or no? If you have to pick yes or no. If you're brand new to it, it's hard. That's what I tell people too. And I'm like, why are you asking me? They're like, oh, I was a doctor and I just quit my job to do this full time. And I'm like, oh, yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, the feedback I generally hear is it's, it's tough, especially getting started. So yeah, I was curious. It's not easy. I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to balance the two with my full-time job and with capital raising. I have two boys at home. I have a mortgage. I have daycare costs. I have a lot of things that I need to do. And the deals I do aren't cash flowing right away. Yep. It's delayed gratification. You know, We're doing work that requires anywhere from a year to two years to reposition an asset. Yep. So it's... I'm very fortunate to be able to find that balance between the two. Um, so yeah, you say reposition. We talk about refinance. Reposition, uh, no, not refinance, but yeah, reposition is like going in, turning the entire property over, and making sure you can do all of the renovations that you said you can do throughout the throughout the entire property, yeah. as well as like some painting and some asphalt and putting in playgrounds, putting in dog parks, putting in barbecues, all of the stuff to make it a nicer place for people to live and. It, yeah, as everybody knows, it's this human element involved, and this stuff takes time to do it. So it's patience and perseverance to do it. So yeah, don't quit your job if you're just getting into it, unless you're Daddy Warbucks and you have tons of money just sitting on the sideline. <laughs> it's funny. I called somebody Daddy Warbucks the other day, and they had no idea what I was talking about. I was like, "You haven't seen Annie? Go see Annie." <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. So we are having this conversation March 31st of 2023. As you look forward towards the end of this year, what are you most focused on in your business? Stabilizing the assets that we have under uh, management right now. We have three out of my four deals that are in the throes of the business plan. Two of them are close to finalizing them, but just making sure everything is right so we can line up a refinance for that. You know, once we feel we're comfortable with those two, because we I know the third one's just get you know, I just bought that a month ago and that's gonna take at least two years to do it. Being able to get those stabilized, start the refinance process and start, you know, delivering upon those returns. Parallel to that, we also wanted to, you know, get a couple more deals under contract. So it's get that hundred plus unit deal that I said I wanted to do again. And regardless of the the macro environment in the debt market right now, there's there's still going to be opportunity abound. There's opportunity every single year in every single market cycle and being able to find another good deal to be able to tell my friends and my family, hey, this is a great opportunity. We believe in the deal. We're putting our money behind it. And I'm going to respectfully present this opportunity to you. If you want it, go ahead. If you don't, I understand. I'll move forward from there. Yep. I'm glad you said that because in this funny year that this is on social media you see it too there's a lot of bad news and doom and gloom out there about the market and uh, i just saw a post from somebody i really respect this morning and it was like there's still opportunities there you just might have to look a little harder or look a little bit more carefully so yeah in every great downturn every great challenge there's always millionaires that are made there's always companies that are built so absolutely i'm glad you said that if anybody's watching or listening and wants to get more info from you or learn more about what you're doing, how can they do so? The best way to reach me is pick up the phone and call me. I love having conversations about real estate. So my number is 978-835-9376. Again, 978-835-9376. If you want to talk about real estate, if you want to talk about the NFL, the upcoming NFL draft, I'll, I'll talk about it both until the, the cows go home. Or you can reach me via email, brendan at bkcholding.com. You know, my website, bkcholding.com or brendanchisholm.com. I'm on all the social media platforms as well. Also, if you're local to the Fairfield County, Connecticut area, please stop by my meetup. It's the first Wednesday of every single month. 
And then, you know, as I mentioned, I'll give the shameless plug as well. I'm launching my own podcast, The Value Add Real Estate Show with Brendan Chisholm. So check that out on all of your podcast platforms and they'll be hopefully be released within the next couple of weeks or by the time this this airs. Absolutely. I was just going to ask you that. I was going to say, well, we need to release the date so I can hold you to it. Yes. It's accountable. So beautiful, man. I really appreciate the conversation and your time and your wisdom today. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, Jason. Always a pleasure speaking with you. Yep. Take care, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it, and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast related, I encourage you strongly to go to reimarketingstories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on with the show, new episodes, and things like that. reimarketingstories.com. So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? Um, Our guest today and the other guests that you will hear on this show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to remember one thing if you remember nothing else today. It's possible for you to, okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. If you're an active capital raiser and you are ready to learn the three areas that are holding you back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right, thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.